Now, when I was preparing for this week, actually last Sunday during service, the Lord said, next week I want you to minister on disgruntled ducks. And I knew exactly what he meant. <laughs> the phrase disgruntled duck is a phrase I used in a message when we first planted the church. Some of you probably remember, but we didn't have any microphones or recording equipment, so it's not available. It's not the same message, but it is based on the same premise. The first message was about the power of agreement and accessing the grace of God for our lives. There is power in agreement. The reason that message came up is because I had believed I had received my healing for fibromyalgia for like four or five years. I'm standing, I'm healed, I'm healed, and I'm not seeing it, and I'm not seeing it. Lord, I'm healed, I know I am. <laughs> Lord, when's it going to show up where I can see it? And uh, uh, one of the things I learned at Bible college is, is the power of agreement. Power of agreement is like reaching into your spirit, man, and yanking out what already belongs to you. <laughs> okay? So but what happens sometimes is there is a disconnect between flowing in God's grace and being able to pour out what God's grace has already provided. So that's what that message was about. This is similar, but it's not exactly the same. What I want you to, to think about is, the picture I want you to see is a picture of a mama duck on a lake. I'm sure most of you have seen ducks swim, haven't you? There's a big mama duck and all the little baby ducks follow behind. And wherever the little mama duck goes, the little ones follow. They do it so well and in sync, it looks like they're tied together with a string. That's how well they flow. That's the kind of flowing the Lord wants us to do. As we live our life, He wants us to have that same graceful flow in His grace. But sometimes, every once in a while, you see a little ducky, <laughs> everybody's in line, but then there's this one. <laughs> Maybe one leg isn't working very well, and he's out wandering over there. Mommy has to go back and get them, and pretty soon, they're all in line again. I call that ducky a disgruntled duck. You see, my little duckies here actually represent three parts of us, our body, our soul, and our spirit. Now, this first little ducky here, he is our spirit man. This is the best ducky in the whole world. <laughs> our spirit man is perfect. All of my life, all of my Christian life, my prayer to God has always been, I want to be perfect. I want to be perfect. I despise not being perfect. I want, I want to be so pleasing, because in my mind, being perfect made me pleasing. Being imperfect Maybe unpleasing. The message of grace and then the understanding of what actually happens to us when we get saved changed all that. You see, I don't have to make myself perfect anymore for my Father to smile. I've already been made perfect. I can't make myself perfect. Colossians 2.10 says, Ye are complete. That means perfect in Him. Hebrews 10.14 says, For by one offering, Jesus, has perfected, perfected forever them that are sanctified. Who are the sanctified? Those that belong to him. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, But he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. This is probably like my most favorite scripture in the whole Bible. I am one with Christ. As my father sees Jesus, that's how he sees me. I am perfect. I am one spirit with him. So this is the best ducky. He's never disgruntled. Now, my second little ducky, that's a different story. <laughs> my second little ducky re represents 
our soul, mind, will, and emotions. This is the place where we get off track. We get one little wing that's not quite working or something and we get off track. This is where disgruntledness takes place. This little ducky represents our body. Bodies follow. At least they should. Sometimes we let bodies lead, but they're not supposed to. Never let your body lead. It doesn't know enough <laughs> to be in charge. Don't let your body be in charge. <laughs> he actually only does what this disgruntled little ducky lets him do. Our mind, will, and emotions are the ones that should be leading, telling your body what to do. Because this little ducky has already talked to this little ducky and convinced it it's perfect too. <laughs> We're supposed to flow <laughs> all together based on the leading of the Spirit. Our relationship with Jesus is supposed to be worked out into and through our body, where other people can see him. Philippians 2.12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I like this word, work out. See, if I know, I already have everything. Maybe I don't see it over here yet. I have it in my spirit, but I don't see it outside my body yet. There's a process of getting what I am here to show up over here. And it's called working out. <laughs> the word work out here means, it's actually two parts. One part means against. One part means to toil intensely. We do not toil for our salvation. But what it means is to work intensely against resistance. The resistance is implied in that word, specifically. Now that, you would think it would be easy. If I am perfect in my spirit, man, why isn't it easy to go right through my mind, my will and emotions, right out into my body? It should be easy. This little ducky gets disgruntled. <laughs> he gets unhappy about things, and he gets out of, out of the flow. It isn't that he doesn't have what he needs, he gets out of the flow in his thinking. But God's will for us is to always walk in the grace and peace provided by the finished work of Jesus Christ. Second Peter 1, 1 2 says this, Grace and peace be multiplied, be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ according as his divine power hath given us unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him that hath, that hath called us according to his glory and virtue. This working out is through the knowledge of Christ. I didn't know about the power of agreement five years ago. I mean, I had actually taught on agreement. Don't get me wrong. I knew it was in there. <laughs> But I didn't understand how I could make it work. That it was a combining of faiths together to pull out what already is. My deliverance from fibromyalgia came because I went forward one morning in service determined I'm getting agreement. I'm pulling this out. I'm not living with this anymore. I've been believing it was mine for years. But now I was convinced if I got agreement, it was a done deal. The Lord had prepared me. I had spent two weeks listening to healing testimonies from Andrew Wellness television program. 
That's important. If you're going to try to get something you have here to show up over here on the outside, you're going to have to work it out. When you work it out by putting it in. You put in the word, and the word works. But you have to put it in. There is work in this in order to get things to manifest. One of the problems, though, is when we get disgruntled. If we are disgruntled, we are not apprehending the grace and the peace that belongs to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. What do I mean by disgruntled? Are you a disgruntled duck? Yes, we are all, at one point or another, disgruntled duck. Now, what do I mean by disgruntled? I look up the word disgruntled because this is exactly what the Lord told me. Minister about disgruntled ducks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> disgruntled means dissatisfied, aggravated, annoyed, exasperated, furious, angry, rah. That doesn't sound good, does it? <laughs> Most of the time, when I get disgruntled, it's that mild dissatisfaction. You barely even know it's there. <laughs> but all of these really are different degrees of anger. Now, we all know what anger feels like. Sometimes we know what causes it, and sometimes we don't. The truth is, though, we need to understand what anger is and what its purpose is. So what is anger? Anger is, biologically, it's just an emotion. It's a response. And God created every human being with an anger response. Anger in itself, this response, is not evil or bad or sinful. It's actually an appropriate response to something unjustified, something that is unjust or wrong. Anger is an appropriate response to injustice. Anger is an appropriate response, on some level, the things we disagree with, things that we think are wrong. The Lord has given us, every human being, a concept of right and wrong. No matter where you live, no matter what your upbringing is, every culture has their standards of right and wrong. And every human being has their own little set of standards <laughs> that we think something is right or wrong. So anger is a biological response. Anger is a call, though, to make a right wrong. That's why every human being has this. God designed us that when we saw something that was unjust, we would try to intervene. We would try to put a stop to that which is wrong. That's the point of anger. As we all know, I'm sure, that the terrible thing that happened in California, where two Muslims killed 14 of their co-workers. When I read that, I was like, that's awful. Sad, I'm praying for the families. But you know what never happened? I never got angry. But anger is a, an appropriate response to great evil. Anger is an appropriate response to injustice. Why didn't I get angry? I was sad. I was interceding. Why didn't I get angry? I can tell you right now today who's angry about that. The families. I bet they're dealing with horrible anger. You see, the closer an injustice gets to us, the more the response will happen. You see, if someone had killed my family, I want you to understand, I didn't really get this before, that anger is a God-ordained response that God put in us. It's supposed to be there. Most of the time you hear that Christians are never supposed to get angry. In fact, if you look up anger on the Internet, there's a lot of that. 
Christians are never supposed to be angry. Christians are supposed to be angry about injustice. We're supposed to be angry about that which is wrong. What I didn't understand, though, was how this worked. Now, the reason I had looked all this up is because I had recently been angry. <laughs> and I was surprised by it. I don't know why I thought mature Christians should not get angry. Or if they did, it was that mild disgruntledness. But a few months ago, I was listening to an internationally famous minister, someone I've listened to for years. In the midst of his message, what happened was I had something recorded and it stopped and then it just went to live television and so this minister was on. And so I was listening and I was like, what are you saying? No, he didn't say that. So now I'm listening even closer. Maybe he's going to fix what he said. I understand his point. But what he actually said to his congregation was, you have to earn your anointing. You have to pray and fast and read the word and study hard. You have to earn your anointing. And that's when I was like, what? <laughs> and then I'm listening thinking he's going to fix it. He says, and don't you dare try to go get some of that sloppy agape or greasy grace. Instant combustion. I am in flames. <laughs> I am so angry I can't stand it. Like, no, you can't tell the whole world that. That's exactly the opposite. Grace will make you work. Grace will make you study. Grace will give you the power to fast. Grace is the, is the starting point. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, Lord, it's all upside down. I was furious. I was so furious, my husband came in and he says, what is going on out here? <laughs> I said, rewind, you won't believe it. <laughs> and he says, you watch it? He says, you turn that off. <laughs> what I didn't understand, I didn't make a choice to be angry. God designed us this way, that if something is, we perceive it to be terribly wrong, your body will produce anger. You will burst into flames instantaneously. We see this all the time when you drive, <laughs> right? A few weeks ago, my daughter called me to talk about, you know, watching the t children or something while she has something else to do, and I could tell her voice was angry. I'm like, what is wrong? What is wrong? Are you, are you, what's wrong? And she's like, some young person was texting while they're driving, they almost killed us. Okay. Has that ever happened to you where somebody does something on the road? Fear. Flames. It's an appropriate response. It's called the autonomic response of either fight or flight. You don't get to choose. Okay, the closer it is to you, and when you feel like someone has just tried to kill you, you will burst into flames. <laughs> now, you have to understand the purpose of anger. I've just burst into flames. What is my brain trying to make me do? We understand that this is the way God created us. My brain says, this is bad. You have to stop what's wrong and bring what's right. Because after, guess what? After it's already done, are you going to stop it? If somebody's nearly run you off the road, can you stop that? No, it's already done. But guess what? You're still inflamed. <laughs> Why? See, this all happens instantaneously and automatically. But what we were designed to do is stop the wrong and bring the right. And what happens is, if you do not bring what is right, 
the flames will keep simmering. <laughs> because God says you were created for grace and peace. You've got to find resolution. And ignoring it, putting it behind your back, pretending it's not there, doesn't work. Because it will come out somewhere else. Fast forward. We recently had a similar incident where a minister was saying things about grace that I vehemently disagree with. Grace is so precious to me. It is the most precious message I've ever heard. I've known Jesus for a really long time. <laughs> but I didn't understand the grace. That he didn't just put up with me because I was imperfect. He was always adoring me, no matter what. When I got that revelation, it changed everything. Everything. I can't explain. It's, it's, well, I guess I can. You're all Christians. Anybody here willing to give up Jesus? No. He's too precious to us. Jesus is grace. So when I hear someone defaming grace, he burst into flames. <laughs> it's that personal to me. It's that personal to me. So I had burst into flames, but I was like unbelievably burst into flames. My Jesus is, is everything to me. And this message of grace is everything to me. And to hear somebody defame it, just... I didn't choose to get angry. I just exploded into flames. <laughs> but only on the inside. I wasn't exploding out where people thought. So we have a choice. We can't choose whether or not we explode, but we can choose what we do when we're exploding. But I, what I needed to know was, I needed to bring the right to stop the flames. What happened was, shortly after that, I was taken into a converse, another conversation where somebody and I proceeded to have a disagreement. Just how well that went. <laughs> I was surprised. You see, when your brain goes into this mode, it says, I either fight or you fight. You take care of the wrong and you bring the right. But you have to do one or the other. You have to do one or the other. Your brain won't let you choose anything else. So when I disagreed with this person, I was forceful. No, that is not true. And I was like, where did that come from? <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> so I went to the Lord. And the Lord started to show me this. This is how my brain actually works. This is why it's never, never a good idea to make a decision when you're angry. Because the part of your brain where you make good and logical decisions is not there. <laughs> you're using an entirely different part of your brain that you're not in control of. It's like your heartbeat. Now this happens to everybody. But we need to know what we do. What do we do when we burst into flames? I knew the principle because the Lord taught me it like 20 some years ago because people do stupid things on the road. And I would have small children in my car and I would go, <laughs> And my children were like, what are you saying, Mom? <laughs> and I wasn't even thinking cussing. But I was thinking things like, you are stupid. You need to have your license revoked. <laughs> you are a danger to society. I am not thinking good things because of this fight response, okay? This fight response says defend, protect, okay?
So I was like, Lord, what do I do? How do I do? I, I, because basically if I were to say, you're stupid or you're whatever, I'm cursing. That's not bringing the right. And you know what? Cursing only makes the fun worse. <laughs> you got to bring the right. So what is the right? Matthew 5.43 says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you, and persecute you. This is not possible without the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> okay? We can choose to access the Holy Spirit's power anytime we want. We can choose to bring what is right into any and every situation. So, when someone would do something and I wanted to make all kinds of funny noises, I would pray angry. Lord, you bless that person because they need help. <laughs> Lord, Lord, put angels around them because they're going to hurt somebody if you don't. <laughs> it's still bringing the right. Anger doesn't disqualify my prayer. If anything, it makes it better. Because you know what? I really mean it. <laughs> so prayer is a fight response. But it's also a grace response. It is actually the loving thing to do for somebody who's dangerous on the road. And you know what? After you do that, you just keep praying angry and blessing them out of your mouth. We have a heart and mouth connection. Out of your mouth, you bless them. Out of your mouth. And what you will find is that by bringing what is right, bringing what is the power of the kingdom of God into that situation, even when you're angry, because the anger isn't a choice. What we do while we are angry is a choice. Okay? God does not call us to feel love. He calls us to do love. You don't have to feel loving. You can feel angry. You can feel violated, and you can still pray at the same time. Your prayers are just as effective. Ephesians 4.31 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. In order to get rid of the flame, you've got to bring what is right. Next verse. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Getting rid of the wrong and bringing the right, for Christ's sake. You see, the next step is after we pray, and the anger has settled down, Sometimes we choose to keep it. I know none of you do that. <laughs> but sometimes I do. <laughs> and I have to forgive. And with this anger problem, it can be you bursting into flames or it can be you being slightly aggravated, being annoyed at a situation. Your body is trying to tell you something is wrong. You need to make the wrong stop if you can and bring in what is right. This is how you're designed, to always bring resolution. Your brain will not let you forget until you bring resolution. I always thought it was me. This was a revelation to me that I am not bad when I get angry. <laughs> now, I can be bad while I'm angry, but <laughs> being angry in itself is not bad. It's a, a response. It's all it is that God created. So, you can be angry at a person. You can be angry at an institution. You can be angry at a situation. You can be angry at all kinds of things. It doesn't even have to be a person. In fact, most of the time, I'm not angry at a person. Even when I was angry about the minister, it wasn't him I was angry at, it was about what he said. 
I don't have any ill feelings for the minister. He's a wonderful minister. I vehemently disagree with what he had to say. So I wouldn't mad at a person. Most of the time when I get angry, it's not at a person. When I went to the doctor several years ago before I got healed with fibromyalgia, I was looking for answers. Things were awful, and I wanted help. But unfortunately, the medical community doesn't really have any answers for things like that. Jesus only is the only one who has answers for things like that. And so when I was there, I could see that this lovely lady physician wanted to help me. <laughs> so she wanted to give me all kinds of tests I didn't need, <laughs> give me all kinds of medication I didn't want, and some really lovely advice, you know? And I was like, you realize that doesn't help, right? Right? And I left discouraged and angry, not at her, at the system. You see, the insurance company says he has to give certain medications. The insurance company says, well, you need to have this, this x-ray, even though we know nothing's broken, and you need to have this test because it will tell us you don't have that. And we need, no. <laughs> so I left irritated with the system. I knew it was disgruntled. My ducky was disgruntled. <laughs> and I was like, Lord, oh, do something about them. I didn't bring the right. Saying, Lord, do something about them is not bringing the right. <laughs> I needed to do what Matthew said. Pray. Yes, you can pray for an institution. But what happened in the meantime, while I was simmering, I was simmering, I wasn't in flame for several months. Not only did I have fibromyalgia, but I proceeded to get one of the worst colds I ever had. And after that, I proceeded to get the flu, which I never get. And after that, I'm like, oh, uh, Lord, something's wrong here. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. What am I doing wrong? And that's when he began to say, you're a disgruntled duck. And you're stopping up the flow of grace. <laughs> grace is there, but you're not letting it flow. You're too busy fighting and not bringing the right. As long as you're going to fight, you might as well bring the right. <laughs> because that's where the answers are. So the Lord said, you have to forgive them. I have to forgive an institution? He goes, yeah, because they're not what you want them to be. Something in you says, this is very wrong. He goes, unless you bring the right, the forgiveness, because you know what? That whole institution does not care. <laughs> they're there to provide whatever services that they can. They're not God. They can't hear me. So, the Lord said, you have to forgive them, even though it's an institution and not a, not a person. Forgiveness is not based on a feeling. It's based on faith. Ephesians 4.32 says, forgiving one another, even as, which means in the same way, as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. For Christ's sake. Because of what Jesus did on the cross was more than enough to pay for all wrong, all sin all injustices. Those things have technically already been paid for on the cross of Jesus Christ. His blood has washed away our sins. He has asked us to wash away theirs with the same blood, as far as we're concerned. The same blood, the same sacrifice paid for theirs. God asks us to give the same grace that we have received. He asks us to stay in the same flow of grace that he dwells in. His absolutely free loving kindness, his unearned favor. When I take a debit that somebody owes me, a debt, 
And somebody has a debt that I think they owe me. I only have to take it to Jesus. Because whoever has wronged me can't make it right. Only Jesus can make it right. But your brain will not let you be at peace until you find the right in Christ. And you come to the realization, Lord, this person did me wrong, but they can never make it right. And your blood has already punished that wrong. Justice has been served. And your heart believes that Jesus was enough to take what was wrong and turn it to right. Only the blood of Jesus does that. The truth is there is no offense that can exhaust the grace of God. Jesus bears the scars that prove all sin. They prove. The scars are the proof that all sin has been punished and paid for and even forgiven. And the power of his grace is far greater than the power of sin. For where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. 1 John 2, 2 says, And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Propitiation means the satisfaction of death. Satisfaction. God is satisfied that everything has been paid for. We choose to forgive by faith, not by feelings. Just like we choose to pray even when we're angry. <laughs> we receive forgiveness by the faith in his blood, and that's the same way we forgive, by faith in his blood. Forgiveness does not equal healing. A lot of times, Christians will have a disagreement, even a sharp disagreement. Paul and uh, Barnabas, the scripture tells us they had a sharp disagreement. I'm like, yay, even apostles get angry. <laughs> but what often happens is because we don't stop what's wrong and bring what's right, damage occurs. We act out in anger instead of purposing to bring what is right into the situation. And people get hurt. And they do the right things. The Lord has taught us how to do this. Stop what's wrong and do what's right. Bring the right. Okay, I choose to forgive. But then, every time they see that person, it's still, they're still angry. Oh, I must not have forgiven. God, I, I forgive, I forgive. They work on it. I'm sorry, Lord, I'm, I'm not trying to be un unforgiving. And they feel better. And then they'll run into that person again. And there comes the blames. <laughs> and they're like, oh, God, why can't I forgive? It isn't that they haven't forgiven. It's that they haven't been healed. We think sometimes when people hurt us, that if I forgive them, then I will be all better. Guess what? That doesn't work. Not always. Because if I run you over with a truck, accidentally, of course, <laughs> and I say, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. And you go, oh, I forgive you, I forgive you, you are forgiven. Are you all better? No. You're still broken and bloody. Why? Forgiving didn't bring healing. Healing is a second step. Healing comes from Jesus. You see, you keep trying to fix a problem that's not broken. If I keep running into somebody I know I've forgiven, and the flames start, there's pain there. You need healing. Not more repentance. <laughs> now I'm going to tell you about the, probably the strangest anger you've ever heard of. And I have to confess, it came from me. It's Christmas tree anger. <laughs> Christmas tree anger. Now isn't that crazy? You ever heard of anybody being angry about the Christmas tree? <laughs> Decorating the Christmas tree with my family has always been a tradition every year. 
And every year we would put up the tree and we would have all the ornaments. My children had all their own ornaments. Grandparents and aunts and uncles and friends would give them ornaments. So at Christmas time we would decorate the Christmas tree and everybody had their own ornaments. And it was just a celebration. They told the same stories. Remember when Grandpa brought the, the dancing Santa? <laughs> Remember when this? Remember when that? It was just a celebration of our lives. And my children grew up, and the first one left, I didn't have any Christmas tree anger. And then the second one left, and I didn't have any Christmas tree anger. And then the third one left. And then all of a sudden I'm angry at my Christmas tree. <laughs> I'm like, God, this is stupid. <laughs> Why am I angry about the Christmas tree? And so we put up the tree, and now I understand that men don't usually get into decorating Christmas trees. I try to get my husband involved. Honey, I'm angry about the Christmas tree. <laughs> you need to come help me. <laughs> I'm thinking, this must be an empty nest kind of thing. I wasn't mad that my children weren't there. I couldn't figure it out. So I was mad the first year. I'm thinking, well, maybe next year it'll be all better. Guess what? Christmas tree anger. <laughs> Let's see, how can we fix this? How can I, I see, I'm trying to do what my brain tells me to do. I'm angry about something, I try to fix it. I try to bring right. I say, honey, maybe we should have our own ornaments. We should buy ornaments for each other, and that way it'll be a celebration of our life together. And so he was so hard. He spent an entire day looking for ornaments that would mean something. I got the two ugliest ornaments on the face of the earth. <laughs> but I love them because there's meaning behind them. <laughs> but I'm thinking, this is not working, Jesus. This is not working. <laughs> uh, the next year, I'm thinking maybe Christmas tree anger will be gone. Here comes the Christmas tree. Nope, still angry at it. Let's see. Let's make the Christmas tree about Jesus. So I bought a whole bunch of ornaments and put the names of Jesus on them. I'm going to celebrate Jesus while I make up my uh, Christmas tree. Still angry. Then we started school. We didn't put up a Christmas tree. Yay! Problem solved! No more Christmas tree anger! <laughs> this year, my daughter and her family brought us a Christmas tree. And the children helped us decorate it. I'm like... There's a Christmas tree under. Is it there? It's maybe a little bit. After a couple of days of my Christmas tree being at my Christmas tree under, it's gone. You see, what I didn't realize was that I so cherished that time that when it ceased to be, I wasn't angry at a person, but I lost something precious. I lost something dear to me. And so every time I saw this Christmas tree, all it did was make me angry because my brain is trying to tell me you're hurting, you're grieving, you're not mad at the Christmas tree really, you lost something that was precious to you. I didn't mean just to forgive my Christmas tree. I needed Jesus to give me Only Jesus did. At Christmas time, there are all kinds of things that can poke us and turn us into little disgruntled ducks. And sometimes we get angry at those things. And we think if the anger is the problem. It's not. Normally, what it would be is that something hurts. And your, your brain is trying to protect you from pain. And so you have this little disgruntledness going on. You can have Christmas tree anger. 
<laughs> you can be angry at someone who's not here. You can be angry at, at the children that aren't there. You could even be angry at God because something didn't happen the way you wanted it to. All of those things are not a sin. They're not a sin. It is okay to be angry. We just need to know how to fix it. And Jesus is the fix. When something makes us angry, we can understand what we can do to make it right, to bring what what is right. Because if you ignore the flame, so this keep coming year after year. And if you forgive whatever you need to forgive, and you still have flames year after year after year. It isn't, anger is not the problem. It's just a symptom. Your body and the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you you need to be healed. And you know how easy it is to be healed? Really? It's not hard. You just ask Jesus to heal it. Jesus, my heart hurts. I realize I lost something precious. It's missing, and I'm losing that thing. Please come into my thy place of grief and make me whole. And He does. Father, I thank you that the blood of Jesus Christ has already accomplished everything it needed to accomplish. Every sin has received its just punishment. I thank you, Father God, for showing me that anger is not my problem, and the truth is sin is not my problem. It's all a symptom of what I believe and what's going on in my heart. So, Father God, I ask that during this Christmas season, when, when people drive crazy, that we would remember to bless those who persecute us. That we would pray angry, that we would take every opportunity we can to stop what is going wrong and bring what is right bring the power of God and the power of Christ into every situation. Now, Father God, those who may struggle this time of year because of grief, because of things that aren't the way we'd like them to be, I ask, Father God, that even now, you would touch their hearts. You would bring healing. And Father God, if anyone should find themselves in a predicament like I did with Christmas to anger, that they would remember they need healing and you are the great healing. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.